Well, good morning, Christ Point Church. So good to be with you. My name is Tom Kipp, Motor Racing Outreach Chaplain here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. And that would explain the backdrop here behind me. Believe it or not, I'm just a few feet down the hall from the Christ Point office suite on the fourth floor here at Smith Tower at the Speedway. And Pastor James and I were supposed to get together earlier working this video, but our schedules didn't uh, align well enough. So I said, hey, why don't I go ahead and do it down at MRO? He said, it's okay. So if y'all are okay with this backdrop, uh, I'm okay with it too. And we'll get started here in a minute. But I do want to say thank you so much to Pastor James for the invite to be a part of this uh, great sermon series that he's got going First Peter in First Peter. It's a very timely series, a great letter in the New Testament, I think, for the crazy days that you and I are living in. It's been edifying in a number of ways for myself and my family as we've been going through it the last few weeks, and I'm just delighted to be a part of it. So thank you, Pastor James. He has asked me to pick up where he left off last week here in chapter 4, so I'll pick up at verse 12, take us all the way through the end of the chapter uh, through verse 19. The heading in my NIV for this passage is suffering for being a Christian. And uh, so I've tweaked that heading a little bit to use as a title for my message. And then the title will be um, suffering well or how to suffer well as a Christian. How to suffer well as a Christian. I think that there are several lessons for us in this passage that I will try to bring out. So why don't I go ahead and get started? Begin by reading at verse 12, and you can follow along as I read. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. Verse 16. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, verse 19, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue doing good. So, uh... Obviously, the theme here, as I said, uh, is on suffering, and we're going to hopefully learn a few things on how to suffer well as a Christian. So back in 1975, a singer-songwriter, Canadian singer-songwriter, uh, Gordon Lightfoot, wrote a hugely popular song. At least it was in my neck of the woods. I'm from Cleveland, just east of Cleveland, so very familiar with the Great Lakes. And uh, I knew this song very well as a kid growing up, and I still do to this day. He wrote a song called The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. And perhaps you've heard of it. It tells the tale 
of a 729-foot-long uh, freighter, an iron ore freighter, capable of carrying 26,000 tons of iron ore. And it tells the story of this great ship, actually, when it was built, um, it was the largest uh, sh ship in the Great Lakes, and it was considered to be, some call it the Titanic of the Great Lakes. And um, anyway, this song tells the tale. It's kind of an eerie, you know, sounding song, but it tells the tale of the ship's last day, its struggle and fight through a great storm in Lake Superior. And the storm eventually won, and the ship either split up or capsized, took on water, went down, and so did 29 crew members that day, November 10th, 1975. It's a great song. And the song itself is not, um, not really about suffering, uh, but when I think about suffering, I think of one line from it. And I think this line definitely is about su suffering as it encapsulates, um, I think, some of the main feelings that you and I uh, can feel when we suffer, like God has forgotten about us, or like there is no hope and there's no end in sight. Uh, we've lost sight of the light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, this, the, the line even, I think, describes a little bit of misery too, but definitely a loneliness. And the line is this. The line uh, says, it's asking a question. Does anyone know where the love of God goes when the waves turn the minutes to hours? That's the line. And that question is unanswered. At the end of the song, like you never really... Uh, you know, you, you never get an answer. And I think that's the whole point. You know, does anyone know what happened to the love of God when the waves turn the minutes to hours? So at the end of the song, you're like, well, pff, we, we don't know. We don't know where God went. We don't know what happened. And uh, what I want to say uh, in response to, you know, that song, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, is the name of the song, if I haven't mentioned it already, is that that is that what that line describes is not a biblical view of suffering, at least in terms of how God wants us to view suffering and how to respond for suffering. It's not a biblical view of suffering in a positive sense. And I want to suggest that we need to get suffering right. You and I, our church, um, the people of God, the family of God, we need to get suffering right. We need to get suffering right. And uh, here's why. Well, I want to uh, direct our attention to two verses, um, two kind of, uh, they were kind of tricky verses, to be honest. I had to think uh, a little longer about these two, and I want to deal with them first, verses 17 and 18 in our passage today. It says this, For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. That's a sobering statement there. It's time for the judgment to begin. For the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And, verse 18, if it is hard, quoting Old Testament here, if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? What on earth is being said here? What does this mean? Well, I think two things. One, uh, I don't think we can deny that at the very least it is warning us that when the judgment comes, um, we will be judged at least partially on how we 
handle suffering, how we respond to suffering. Why do I say that? Because that statement, these verses are made in the context of chapter 4, in the context of suffering. For judgment will begin with the family of God. So it's coming. God's judgment is coming, and it will be partially based on, I don't know how much, but certainly partially based on how we handle and how we respond to suffering. So we think about the pandemic, we think about our protesting and all these things, our pandemic alone. How have we been responding to it? Um, what have we lost? You know, have we lost sight of some things? Have we lost peace? Have we lost sleep? How much uh, many of us have lost sleep over, uh, you know, the pandemic? And we could even throw the election in there, right? So many things this country is grinding away in right now and suffering in. How are we dealing with it? Um, you know, are we, are we losing sleep? Have we lost joy? Have we lost a smile on our face? Have we lost the ability to be optimistic? Have we lost faith in God? Uh, you know, a sense of his presence, kind of like the lyric from the song, does anyone know where the love of God goes? Uh, because, you know, the waves do feel like ours these days, at least in the midst of uh, these storms that we've been facing. What have we lost? Have we lost a desire to pray? Have we lost a desire to read? Have we lost a desire to have fellowship? Have we pulled back uh, from people, isolated ourselves? What have we gained? Have we gained fear? Have we gained bitterness? Have we gained the ability to be pessimistic? Have we gained anger? Have we gained a skill at slander or gossip or judging people? You know, we think about all the stuff that we're tossing around back and forth um, on our telephones and so forth. Great questions um, to ask. You know, how are, we, how are we doing with all of it? How are we responding to the suffering that we are so obviously facing in our nation today? So the second uh, thing that I think uh, this, those two verses tell us, so one, you know, judgment's coming to the people of God first, and it matters how we are taking on suffering, how we're dealing with it. The second part is, it's kind of aimed at the result of the people who are watching us deal with the suffering, you know, with them. And uh, we're talking about the unbelieving, uh, the ungodly, the sinners, those who don't know Jesus. And so, you know, uh, because it says, if, it, if, if it's, it's hard enough for the righteous to be saved, how much harder is it for those who don't know God? And so, friends, uh, when the judgment comes, and it begins with us, right? Judgment always begins with the people of God. When the judgment comes, uh, and you know, it may be a difficult time for us. I don't know what that's going to look like. It may not be pretty. But when the judgment comes for the sinners. Uh, the non-believers, those who don't know Jesus or care too much about him. Um, it will be, uh, you know, a severe judgment uh, and, and eternally uh, severe at that. And, you know, the point is, is that in the midst of suffering, it matters how we deal with it because people are watching us and they're being affected by it. And we may not be helping them uh, you know, to avoid such a severe judgment. Those are the two points I want to make with those two verses. Now, thinking back to 
um, you know, Peter in this chapter, we're all ears. If he's, there's a lesson there for us, uh, you know, we're all ears for it. And I think there's three lessons for us on how to suffer well as a Christian. And the first one is that uh, to suffer well as a Christian, we've got to know that suffering is coming in the first place. And this may come as a shock for people that if we claim, uh, if we're, you know, if we bear the name of Christ with us, or we claim to be living as a Christian, or if we are, for living in this way, that, uh, you know, we need to understand that it's not going to be a clear path or easy life. I mean, the Bible teaches that. That is just fact. First Peter is not the only place where we see teaching that uh, God's people are going to have it rough. You just look at the Jewish, uh, you know, pe people of Israel, you know, for centuries had it rough. And God's people in our day and age, um, it's no different. So Peter really helps us out, though, with squaring us up with the reality. At least we know that we will suffer and that it's coming and that's a normal part of the Christian life. That's why he says in verse 12, um, as he's trying to prepare us, uh, because, quite frankly, the, the very worst kind of suffering is a suffering that's unexpected and the suffering that we're unprepared for. So Peter's going to help us out here. He says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial that you are suffering or the fiery ordeal, that may be in your version, uh, that you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. And I find these words so interesting from Peter. Right, of all people, the Apostle Peter, big, bold, you know, Peter. And I think that Peter learned something along the way. And it's why he's got this message where he's trying to, you know, teach people like you and me uh, from lessons that he has learned. I think of Peter in the courtyard, right? After his bold statements in the upper room, I will follow you uh, even unto death, Jesus or, you know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is arrested and Peter was so quick to pull his sword, right? He's bold in both cases because Jesus is right next to him. And then in the courtyard, when Jesus is being, uh, he's arrested and uh, it's the courtyard of the Sanhedrin and they're standing around a fire barrel of some sort and the young girl, the little school, school girl, <laughs> comes up, starts pestering a little bit and says, hey, I, I know, I, I saw you. You were with that, you were with him. You're a Galilean. You were with the Nazareth, the man from Nazareth, weren't you? And he says, no, I wasn't. No, I wasn't. Twice. And then the third time, he calls down curses. And he unloads on the girl. And he lies. And he says, I do not know that man. Epic failure on Peter's part. Why? 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 Uh, did this happen to Peter? I think because this is the first time Peter is experiencing suffering as a Christian and Jesus isn't at his side. He can't see him. He can't you know, touch him. He can't look in his eyes. He may be over in the courtyard at a distance or maybe he's somewhere where you know, Peter can't see him at all. But I think it's the first time Peter suffers as a Christian and Jesus isn't standing right by his side. And, um, you know, he needed his faith to be much stronger that, than what it was 
um, to deal with, you know, things that he couldn't see. Let's put it that way. And so we notice again here in verse 14, it says, you know, we see insulted because of the name of Christ. And, uh, you know, so now we, you know, there's, Peter's describing some of the ways you may face suffering as a Christ, Christian. You may be insulted. Um, nobody likes to be insulted, name, insulted because of the name of Christ. And I want to point out that, you know, there's a lot of people that don't suffer. They don't ever suffer as a Christian. Why? Well, if I may be so bold, uh, it's possible that they're not, um, you know, they're avoiding the suffering because um, they, um, they're not really suffering as a Christian. You know, they say they know, they, they say they know Jesus. But when they speak about Jesus, they speak about the Jesus that everybody agrees with, that he lived, that he died, that he was a good man, that he was wise and a great teacher. Everybody believes in that Jesus, right? You aren't going to suffer for believing in that Jesus. You're going to get insulted and you're going to get jeered and you're going to get poked at and you're going to be ostracized. Uh for going the next step and, you know, claiming that not only did this man die, but he was raised again. And uh, not only was he raised again, but that he's coming back. And he's not coming back as a meek and mild teacher, but he's coming back as a conquering king, the Lord of lords and the king of kings. And he's coming back to judge the nations and to judge you and to judge me. And oh, by the way, it is only by his name, Jesus, that anyone can be saved. Salvation can only be found in the name of Jesus Christ. When you talk about Jesus in those terms, at that point is when you'll find the insults. And at that point is when you will begin to experience suffering. And so we see that happening in our church today. And again, in verse 16, if you suffer as a Christian this time, that description from Jesus. If you suffer as a Christian, and again, this is not a superficial uh, Christian. This is not the mile wide and the inch deep Christian. This is a Christian who loves Jesus and um, you know, who has given their life to Jesus, who has committed uh, themselves to follow him and to trust and to obey and uh, to go even so far as to take on suffering and maybe even to the point of death too. And um, so that's the kind of uh, you know, suffering we're, or Christian we're talking about, the kind of Christian being a Christian to the point where you can get in trouble for it. And so Peter himself, not, not long after this letter was written, paid the ultimate price we uh, hear, uh, you know, we're, we're told, that he eventually dies for his faith. And so we need to be prepared for these storms in life that will come by being a Christian, a follower of Christ, and for talking about Jesus in the terms that we just mentioned. The second lesson from our passage today is that not all suffering is created equal. Uh, some of it is God's will that he brings our way uh, to help make us stronger or, you know, for his other purposes. And some of it is just suffering that we bring 
upon ourselves. And uh, verse 15 says, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. So, of course, you know, if you, you know, if you suffer because you murdered someone or you're a thief or you're a liar or, you, you know, you stole or you can't be trusted, um, you know, that pretty much goes without saying that that's, uh, that's on you and um, you probably deserve to suffer, you know, for acting that way. But what about being a meddler? What does Peter mean by that? Turns out that this is the only use of that word in the whole New Testament. So there's a little bit of uh, confusion as to what exactly it means. Most scholars think that it, it really points to uh, the, the, just the um, you know, somebody who's sticking their nose into other people's business when they shouldn't. They're nosy people and uh, probably quick to judge too, but the meddler is going to give his opinion and they want to know everything and, um, you know, this can be a blind spot uh, for people easily because uh, some people are pretty good at meddling and getting all uh, in the business of others. They want to know what's up and are pretty good at judging, too. Um, and, uh, you know, we can justify it a little bit because we want to help, right? Or we want to call people out because we see clearly that somebody's not living quite right, or they're not, you know, they're, they're, uh, you know, maybe their decisions, you know, aren't, you know, quite right, half a bubble off, or something like that. And you know, these folks are going to be quick to jump in, and have an opinion. And uh, worse of all, is having that opinion, speaking truth, but guess what? Without love, and then we wonder why everyone is avoiding us. You know, when after all, I'm just serving the Lord. Uh, I'm just trying to help, you know, these people out or that person out and, uh, you know, give them a little guidance. But uh, the truth of the matter is, no, you are actually just being tactless and cruel. And so there's a warning there for us. 15, verse 15, uh, don't suffer because of, of these, because uh, that's, that's suffering of your doing. And uh, there's pretty much no use for it at all. Matthew 10, verse 16 says this, I'm sending you out as sheep among the wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves or as innocent or as pure as doves. Harmless as doves. And that is such a great thing. You and I could uh, put that on our, you know, by our front door each and every day and meditate on that one and still be better for it. Um, you know, if we looked at that verse for the rest of our lives. The final lesson that I want to share, so uh, the first one is just to expect it to be ready. That second lesson was, uh, you know, that not all suffering uh, is created equal. There's a suffering that God brings for his purposes, and there's suffering that we just bring on our own, being aware of that, being warned about that. And the third lesson here is, you know, the lesson of how we respond to suffering when it comes. And a couple of words here, verses 13, 14, back-to-back -back verses. Rejoice. Rejoice uh, so that you may be overjoyed when God's glory is revealed. Okay, so the word rejoice. What? Really? Rejoice in the face of suffering? Peter's saying rejoice? Um, the second one, verse 14 Consider yourself blessed. What? 
Consider yourself blessed when you're going through it, when you're suffering. Why? Because it says here again something about the glory of God. His spirit of glory will rest on you. So taking together, taking together these two verses, talking about God's glory, rejoice because his glory is going to be revealed and count yourself blessed because the spirit of his glory is going to rest on you. In other words, when you suffer well as a Christian, you have the potential to reveal things about God that would otherwise be very tough to see. You have the ability to make God known. You think about the otherwise invisible attributes of God, his goodness, um, his kindness, his long-suffering, um, his patience, right? And uh, all of his imperfections, his wisdom and his power and so forth. Uh, these traits are the things that make up God's glory. These are the things that rest upon us in the midst of suffering when we're doing it well, okay? So now it's starting to get interesting. And I think of Moses in Exodus chapter 34, you know, we, when we read about what happens when the glory of God rests on, on somebody, similar language here, and Moses is up on Mount Sinai and he is preparing the tablets, right, the Ten Commandments, and he start, I think, he's starting to get a little nervous about how people are going to respond because he asked God to um, show him not only show him his glory, but showing that God approves of the work that he's doing and that God's presence is with him. Right? All these things are important to Moses. So Moses, or God says, okay, I'm going to show you a part of, my, part of my glory, just a part. Well, he does that. Moses comes you know, back down the mountain, and Moses gets to the base of the mountain, and he looks at the people, and they all run for the hills. And it's because, you remember, his face was shining uh, so brightly that it scared him. So what happened when God's glory rested on Moses? Uh, he began to shine. And so that is the potential. And that is the hope. That is the Christian view of suffering. That in the midst of it, in the midst of an unbelieving world, in the midst of us going through it, that we can shine, that we can reveal the best things about God's nature that are otherwise invisible while we suffer. And, uh, you know, so in it, God's presence is revealed um, and, um, and we shine. So again, verse 13, uh, listen to these words. We, we rejoice that we get to participate in the suffering of of Christ. Verse 14, we consider ourselves blessed uh, because his glory rests on us. Verse 16, I didn't mention this one yet, but we praise God, right? That's another re response. Praise God that we bear his name. We bear the name Christian. And uh, finally, verse 19, the last response, we commit ourselves to our faithful creator and continue to do good. Don't miss what is said here, the description of the creator. It's not just creator with the big C, the one who has made everything in the universe, you and I, and put a purpose behind it all, but it's the faithful um, creator, 
that single detail reminds us that God is good, that God is in control, that he has a plan. Even in the midst of suffering, he is faithful and he will be near. He'll be with us. And um, hopefully he'll show his approval uh, to us as, as well. And so we do always have the option to back down, to get weak in the knees, to walk away, uh, to close our Bibles, or to isolate, to put distance between ourselves and to him, to get bitter, to get angry, to, you know, to get mad, to lose faith, lose trust, to weaken our belief and our witness. We have all these options before us when we suffer, to get scared and so forth but it's not a good option. A better option is to remember that the path to joy, remember overjoyed, Peter talked about, you will be overjoyed when the glory of God is revealed eventually. The path to being overjoyed, the path to being happy and glad in Christ, in our relationship with God, that path oftentimes runs straight through suffering, and we can't forget it. So it's not an easy-going path. It's not smooth sailing. Sometimes uh, that storm is going to come, and those November gales will come early, as Lightfoot talked about there in the song. But we keep learning to suffer well, and we learn more and more about it, so that, like in verse 13, the way it reminds us that we may be overjoyed later when his true glory, when God's true glory is revealed. So with that, I want to say be blessed, have a great day, and I can't wait to see you again soon.